0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Seth Kaiser of Athletic.com. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs as their film analyst. He'll tell us all we need to know about the matchup between KC and New England coming up this weekend and what to expect from the Chiefs, what they need to do if they're going to punch their ticket to Atlanta and end up in the Super Bowl in just a couple weeks. As always, Thomas Bridges is here with me as well. TB, good to have you as always. And I got to tell you, Tom, I got very jealous of seeing Clemson not only just, you know, get to go to the White House and everything, but that fast food buffet that President Trump put together because of the government shutdown was outstanding. Like, I got very jealous seeing the McDonald's, the Wendy's, the Burger King, the pizza, and all the items from there. You know, you got the Whopper, the Baconator, the Big Mac, the Fish Filet, all that stuff. I've never had a Fish Filet, though. Of all those things there, like, I looked at that, Tom, and I instantly got hungry, and my mind has been, like, focus in on all those possibilities of all that food that was eaten there, just wishing I could have been a fly on the wall at that place.
1: Yeah, that would have been really something to see. And really that's the first time in all actuality that I've seen fast food served on a silver platter like that. I've I've never been to a party or something like that. But now, that now you know it like, can be done. It can be done. The, the, only, the closest thing I've got is some drunk guy walking into a college party with like a hundred tacos from Taco Bell and he be off the you know, ultimately becomes the party's hero. Uh other than that, I have n- not seen anything close to that. And Trevor
0: Lawrence said he loved it and he can't wait to come back to the White House a few more times and do it again. It was pretty popular. I I thought it was a brilliant move uh, with these college kids to give them all that awesome uh, fast food. I I love fast food, Tom. I think fast food gets a bad rap. I understand it's terrible for you and all the elitists out there love to dig on fast food. But a place like McDonald's, I compare it like Walmart. You know what you're going to get. You know what you're getting into. It's a safe call. It's cheap every time. You, you can't go wrong with it. You it, If you go in knowing the expectation, then you're guaranteed to be satisfied. Like fast food, it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but
1: it gets the job done and still can be entertaining. Yeah, especially for you. You're, you're usually always on the move. Uh, it definitely works out for you uh, i like fast food to a certain extent i try not to eat it as much uh it really just gets me if i've been drinking and then i i, I just can't help it after that
0: yeah uh sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do and uh, take advantage of that fast food of those items there tom of, of the mcdonald's the Wendy's, the burger king the the pizzas that were there i mean then solid choices not necessarily the best fast food choices so tom you and I, let's go ahead and give what we would do if we had our own presidential fast food buffet of what we had put together for a one-night celebration. We're inviting the entire football team. We just won a championship. I know what I'm bringing. I, and assuming that I have all the resources, you know, I, I'm I'm a billionaire like Donald Trump and can, you know, have, you know, stuff... Uh, catered or even made right on the spot I'm, I'm bringing in Whataburger that's a must and there's so many options you know not just the great cheeseburger that Whataburger makes but whether it's the patty melt or the chicken strips or whatever like you can't miss on the Whataburger I'm also bringing in Raisin Cane's terrific fried chicken you know on the those strips you can't beat I'm also bringing in Chick-fil-a it's a different type of chicken. It's the best chicken sandwich out there. So, even though I got two chicken places, it's two di- completely different things. And then I got to get me some Arby's. I love a, a good old beef and cheddar. Arby's is one of the most unique fast food restaurants in the country. There's no other place like Arby's. And then you got to throw in some Taco Bell. I got to have some party tacos, you know, or some soft tacos or a loco taco of some sorts. To me, That's some variety, that's some good value, it all tastes good, and I don't care how much money I make in my lifetime, Tom, I will never say no to any of those options. I would eat those no matter how rich I
1: was. What would be your options? My options, I've got to agree with you on the water burger, because it's such a different variety of things. So You can get taquitos, chicken, burgers, the patty melt is my personal favorite. I've, I've never had a patty melt that I was dissatisfied with. Uh, maybe the next morning I was a little dissatisfied, uh, but at that in that moment, never. I uh, wish one would come to Bartlesville. I would my weight loss would go. It would not be good. Um, second, I would have to go with one of the pizza chains. It'd be like a Pizza Hut, um, a Domino's, even Mazio's. I know Mazio's is kind of locally to Oklahoma in a way, uh, but one of those can't ever go wrong with some good pizza um third i would have to say chick-fil-a too uh like you said i love raising canes it's but chick-fil-a is a different cut type of chicken it is the best chicken sandwich i've ever had kind of like the spicy chicken with the pepper jack cheese hold the tomato but definitely keep going with the lettuce
0: spicy chicken i feel like about 10 minutes after i've eaten it that i've been punched in the gut but it's totally worth it especially in this situation we're talking about a one-night go-all-in celebration. You know,
1: we just won the national freaking title. Yeah, can you imagine taking a shit in the White House, how glorious that would be? I'd be the first one in there. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'd you never would leave. Fourth, you can't. I mean, yeah, exactly. I bet the toilet and the toilet paper is super nice there. Um, fourth, I'd have to say good old Mickey D's. Uh, you said it before, you know what you're gonna get every single time. My personal favorite other than the McDouble has to be the Burkis Burritos, especially after a long night on the town. You get one of those 24 hour drive through windows. Can't got, go wrong with that. Uh, and then the last one, a little bit different and also kind of local to, you know, not nationwide, but it's in enough cities and enough states that people would know what it was. Quick trip. I mean, can't go. I love the cheese taquitos and the chicken taquitos. You got the buffalo chicken rollers. You also have hot dogs. Uh, And then they have however many different taquitos that rotate in and out, like a mac and cheese one, delicious. Uh, You have the kitchen. You can get ice cream shakes, coffee, uh, subs. They also make a pretty damn good piece of pizza. Could you Uh, imagine all that catered
0: to just to be ready to go, like pick out your favorite ones? And you and they
1: could have they could even have like roll in a Frizzoni machine yes. or, you know what I'm saying? Like they would provide the fountain drink. You could
0: even provide like the cappuccinos and stuff too,
1: like all of it. That's what I'm saying. Can you? There's so much there that it would work. I, I'm a hundred. Quick Trip. If nothing sounds good for lunch when I'm like rolling through Bartlesville on my lunch, I will stop a Quick Trip every time uh, because you can. I think you could go probably like a whole month or longer and not have the same thing twice.
0: Yeah, I think you could. Uh, No no doubt about that.
1: One of the things that Quick Trip
0: does, Tom, you know, they sponsor the uh, Folds of Honor, Quick Trip 500, and Quick Trip caters the media meal at Atlanta Motor Speedway every single day there with all your favorite Quick Trip items.
1: And we're going to go one one of these days. I'll make the trip to Atlanta. I, I just got approved for
0: my NASCAR hard card where I can go to any race, Maybe Atlanta now probably should be added to the list of places I should go.
1: When, when now? When is that race?
0: The Atlanta race is uh, it's in like March or April, I believe.
1: Oh, okay. Well, maybe next year.
0: <laughs> maybe so. So, maybe so.
1: Oh, yeah. Lord, and then
0: uh, what do you know? Quick Trip, you know, pulls their sponsorship. You know, by then next year, you know, I and mean,
1: yeah, they probably would. Maybe they'll move it to Kansas.
0: Right, the uh, the folds of honor, Quick Trip five hundred, the Taquito five hundred, the Taquito five hundred, sponsored by Quick Trip.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Or it'll be some, it'll be some ridiculous like the Big
0: Q, the Big Q, the the uh, they'll they'll come up with uh, you know something like the uh, what's the uh, slushy they got the uh,
1: the Sony five hundred. I like the sound of that.
0: What's the energy drink
1: slushie they make?
0: Oh, the Rooster Booster. The Rooster Booster 500.
1: Nolan loved that when he came to Oklahoma. I knew he would, too. That said Nolan written all over it. Yeah, it did. They should just honorary name him. They should put his picture where that little crazy Frizzoni guy is, if you've seen him. They yes. ought to just photoshop Nolan's face. And in he there. loved Waterburger
0: too. I, I think that this type of event we're putting together tom like nolan would be he would cut everybody in line and and for every single food item
1: hey, no one's type of guy that would camp out for an event like this yes he would break into the he white would.
0: house for this type of deal
1: he would and and he would go on tv and brian nolan sports talk sports talk show and the whole hour would be dedicated to Nolan just running around, taking random bites of people's sandwiches.
0: Oh, he totally would do I that. I can see it. Yeah, He
1: probably won't even hear this, but I hope he does.
0: Yes, we'll tell him. We'll tell him to check it out uh, for sure as far as that goes. Tom, uh, we could talk food all day. And I yeah, love we to really talk. could. <laughs> we could. We One of these days, and we said we were going to do this over the summer, but we just didn't get to it. One of these days we're going to do a whole show on food because that's probably our second favorite thing behind sports is food. Um, I, I love food and talking about food. I'm a foodie, but we have to move on because there's kind of an important football game coming up this weekend, two important football games on Sunday. The AFC Championship, the Kansas City Chiefs, will host the New England Patriots, the first ever AFC title game at Arrowhead Stadium. And the Chiefs will look to bring the Lamar Hunt Trophy back to Kansas City, bring it back home to its uh, rightful home, as they will be taking on a tough challenge with the New England Patriots. There was a lot of talk going into this past weekend, Tom. You know, hey, if the Chiefs win, would you rather face the Chargers or the Patriots? And I think it got answered pretty quickly by how much the Chargers struggled that yeah, you probably wish you'd play the Chargers, but uh, the, the the Patriots took care of business. They they looked like their, their former selves, that, you know, hey, they, they haven't gone away yet. You know, people have been calling for the end of the dynasty in New England for, you know, it seems like a decade now, and yet they're still rolling and finding ways to win in some of these big games, and here they are once again in the AFC title game, one win away from a Super Bowl. And, you know... The matchup-wise, Tom, whether it's the quarterback position, the offense, uh, you know, all around, the home field advantage and everything, KC just matches up better than New England on paper at almost everything. But what they don't have is that quarterback that's won five Super Bowls, that's done this time and time again, the head coach and Bill Belichick that's done this time and time again, that's found that advantage, and not to mention, you know, Bill Belichick has had his way with Andy Reid, and Andy Reid has struggled in the postseason in the past, in particular conference championship games. He's been notorious for losing in these conference championship games. So, I'll say this, if this were just a regular season game, and we were just picking, of you know, hey, who's the better team right now, who's more talented, more likely to win, you know, yeah, KC, I think everyone would feel pretty safe going with Kansas City, but this is the playoffs. This is the different animal. This is a whole different stage. There's another factor. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the temperature is going to be around zero uh, by the time kickoff rolls around and going to be the coldest AFC championship game ever. Th- this is a whole different animal that KC has not experienced. Meanwhile, New England, they've been there and done that, and that plays a factor, Tom.
1: Yeah, it really does. And And, you know, for Obviously, a lot of the chief fans, yeah, they're used to cold weather, but it's, it's not a constant, you know, it's more of December, January type deal. But, you know, in New England, that starts in probably mid-October. Uh, so, you know, Casey came out, handled business last week in what was a game that even if I had a free ticket, I would not want to be outside in. Um, and they handled their business there, took care of the Colts, absolutely just dominated them um so if they can keep that momentum rolling uh it's not going to be much of a weather change other than maybe the snow uh and may- and the rain i guess it kind of did a little bit of both this past weekend but you know for both teams you're not looking at a hey one team's not used to this ordeal so yes the weather will play a factor and it will be stupid cold uh but both teams kind of you know got their little taste of it or kind of know about playing in those conditions
0: sure sure the conditions will play a factor but but matchup wise between these two teams I love it that we have the greatest quarterback of all time and the best quarterback in the league right now going head to head and I know a lot of people have been quick to dismiss New England this year and already trying to ride them off as they tend to do but last week showed that you know to, to win this, you're going to have to go through New England. It, it's not a given. You're going to have to go through these guys to get it done. To, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And sure, New England is not what they've been the last couple years, but there's a reason why that they're in this position, why they've done this time and time again. Uh, Kansas City is, is going to have their work cut out for them. I mean, they are going to have to play, Tom, uh, in a game to win this. Maybe not necessarily A+, plus, but you know, it, with New England, as perfect as Brady and Belichick are and as good as they are schematically, you come out with a B-plus performance, Brady and company probably come out with at least an A-minus performance and probably win. You are going to have to be on your A game in order to win uh, against New England uh, come
1: Sunday. Yeah, and, and cannot stress enough, this, this Kansas City team almost reminds me of the OU team. This year, Uh, the defense, we we talked about it before OU played Alabama. They said, you know, they're not going to have to play a a stupid game. Uh, You know, they're not going to have to play an unreal game. They're going to have to play well enough to win. And what that's going to mean is at least they're going to have to win the turnover battle between the Chiefs and the Patriots. For the Chiefs to outsmart Belichick with their play on the field, I, I think they have to win the turnover battle. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm lying. Maybe Patriots come out and stink it up. But that's just we've never really seen that happen uh, with the Belichick team. And uh, this feels very similar to the OU Alabama game. Not saying it's going to end up that way, uh, but just with the Chiefs being so good on offense and just admirable on defense uh, against a team who's, you know, New England's defense isn't bad. Uh, and obviously they have the greatest quarterback of all time. Behind in the helm, uh, you know, and he's been there and done that for as long as I can remember. Yeah.
0: Uh so
1: one thing. You got, for the got two Chiefs, Big Twelve so teams
0: basically in the Chiefs and the Patriots, and they're playing at the old side of the Big Twelve Championship game. Uh, they're in they're an Arrowhead. I-, I liked the Big Twelve title game, by the way, better when it was at Arrowhead compared to what's at Jerry World. Now it's too flashy, you know, it's not what Arrowhead was back in the day when they had the Big Twelve title game. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are explosive offenses. They, they put up a lot of points. It, it's going to be a shootout between these two teams. And I know that it's going to be cold and everything, but you know, that might slow down these offenses a little bit, but not a whole lot. They, they both proved last week that, you know, Hey, you know, they're going to throw the football, but they have a running ability too. I think that's the other thing with this chiefs team. That's a difference compared to a couple of weeks ago when, lot of folks had written off Kansas City is their running game is just as good as it was when they were when when they lost Kareem Hunt. Damian Williams his yards per carry is the exact same as Kareem Hunt at 4.6. He just rushed for over 100 yards last week in their win against Indianapolis who all we heard about all week long was how good their defense had been playing there in Indianapolis. So Running the football is going to be crucial. You know, New England's going to rely on Sony Michelle, and those backs that they got. But the Chiefs, within the last couple of weeks, have shown the ability that they're not slowing down, that they're going to be just fine, that they have been just fine since Kareem Hunt went down, that Damien Williams has done a great job to fill that role.
1: Yeah, he really has, and credit to him, I mean, stepping up, coming back, and and, and doing as well as he has, those are huge shoes to fill. And, and so far, he's, he's filled them. Yeah, it's, you know, they could run a halfback draw all day because a lot of teams are afraid of Kansas City passing the ball when you have Kelsey Watkins and and Tyree Kill. Uh, so it'll open it up a little bit more for him, obviously. I think Belichick, uh, he said mentioned uh, Tyree Kill and a presser here recently that said, you know, how do you – coach against his speed. And and he said something like, how do you make players that fast? So uh, he's not given, you know, showing his hand there. But I mean, you'd be stupid not to be uh, afraid of Tyree kill downfield. And, and that just helps out Damian Williams just a little bit, even, even a little bit more. Um, and I, I think they're going to have to run the ball well. Uh, it being cold. Maybe not. I, I say that until Kansas City did what they did last week. But uh, I would not be surprised if he puts up another 100-yard 100, 100 game this week. What I'm going to guess, Tom, is that Bill Belichick,
0: the way that they'll game plan is they'll try to take away a weapon or two from KC, whether that be Tyreek Hill, whether that be Travis Kelsey. If the Chiefs are going to win this game, someone else is going to have to step up, whether it's Sammy Watkins you know, having another, another good game, uh, whether it's one of the other receivers, you know, somebody else it's going to have to step up because you can pretty much guarantee that Bill Belichick is is going to do that, that that's going to be his focus is try to take away somebody and and make the Chiefs beat them with someone else.
1: Oh, 100%, and and that's kind of what they do every game. I mean, they try to focus on somebody and, and make somebody else beat you, or they put their chips on one guy and hope that you know, that specific player that they're going to make beat you doesn't. Uh, and so, uh, it, obviously the Chiefs don't know exactly who yet they're going to try to take away. That's what makes Belichick so, you know, such a genius there. But, uh, whoever doesn't get keyed on, whoever doesn't get part of the game plan, and, and whoever Belichick bets on to, to not beat them has to. Uh, whether that be Damian Williams, whether that be, you know, maybe they key on, I don't, I don't think you can't key on Tyreek Hill. For one, uh, so that being said, it's going to have to be Watkins, Williams, maybe Mahomes. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't put a spy on him. Maybe he runs. Uh, it's going to have to be somebody. Uh, and Jones, if if you could put money on who's going to be New England right now, who who do you think is going to have out of those weapons they have on offense, besides me saying Tyree Kill because I think they're going to key on him? Who do you think is going to who's going to have the big game? And are we saying behind besides Patrick Mahomes too? Yeah, that's that's fair. One of the other weapons besides Hill, because obviously, I mean, would you, would you not think that they would key on Tyree Hill? I think
0: that there, are, you know, you could try to key on Tyree Hill, but he's just too fast. I would say that's that, what I'm
1: saying. I mean, I, don't, I would I don't say think that Sammy Watkins would be
0: the guy to watch out for here, because Sammy Watkins so. really surprised some people playing as well as he did last week. Coming off injury, I think that if Sammy Watkins has another big day, if he can get, heck, you know, three or four catches, you know, gets 50-plus yards, if he does that, Chiefs are in good shape. I'm not saying that he has to go off for a 100-yard performance in, you know, two or three touchdowns. If he just gets three or four catches, 50 yards, then that would tell me that they have found... A hole. They have found an opening to get him the football, and that they're probably getting the ball to their their other key weapons too. I think Sammy Watkins is probably the key to a Chiefs victory.
1: Is how much he gets involved. I was going to say the exact same thing with with you know with the game he had last week. If he can, uh, you know, do that again, or you know, even have somewhat of a similar performance, uh, I, I think that might be the key to take Kansas City over the top. The Chiefs defense last week played arguably
0: their best game of the season. You know, only giving up one touchdown, and it came late in that game to Andrew Locke, who has had such a great season this year. We've been dogging on this Chiefs defense all season long, Tom, and rightfully so. The statistics would say so. They've been a different defense at home. It's time to give them credit for what they've done at home this year, they have been much better. And and now you take on you know Tom Brady and company, it's gonna happen. They're gonna give up points to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's too good not to score, no matter what. Even if this was the number one ranked defense in the league, Tom Brady is still gonna get his. It's gonna happen. I think when you're looking at this, you know, this Bob Sutton defense the the key I think is you know get pressure on Brady and try to dial up a couple turnovers a couple sacks here and there you know they'd they love to play this bend but don't break they're gonna break a few times you hope that you could just make enough plays to make a difference in the ball game I think that if you're the Chiefs you're hoping for hey get two or more turnovers and then you know a couple you know th- you know third down stops if you can equate that to you know, four or five stops, then you're probably in good shape, because the last time these two teams faced Tom, they couldn't stop New England at all, at all. They couldn't stop them. I mean, if they can just do something uh, that that's better than nothing, and, and based on what they've done at home this year, I, I would think that they are going to show up to some degree anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and you know, you know, they it's hard to win there anyway, and so thankfully for the Chiefs, they are at home. Uh, they are going to play in an inspired, you know, behind an inspired crowd. It's like you said, first AFC Championship game ever. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a hell of a lot of fans that showed up for what of a snow rain mess that was against the Colts. Um, so uh, that's one fan base I don't doubt. Besides, like Seattle, is the Chiefs fan base. I think they'll be there. They'll show up. I think they're going to show some presence. And and it's hard to beat the team twice. Anyway, it's just to throw in there. So one of the best fan bases in the NFL. Uh, first AFC Championship game. You got a lot of keys for the Chiefs. The Patriots have been there. This is nothing new for them. Yeah, and the Chiefs have played a lot better, uh, you know, on defense. And if you look compared to their away game, uh, couldn't stop them. Didn't you know? Couldn't hold a flame uh, to New England's offense. So I think it's really important that they are playing at home uh, and that they did get the best record in the AFC and, and hold that number one spot and that could be the whole difference in the bigger picture to this whole entire game.
0: It could be, certainly so, and uh, we'll see how it happens. We'll uh, give our picks for this game come up here in uh, just a little while from right now, our uh, weekly picks against the spread uh, for this week. Uh, the other game, the Rams and the Saints. Tom, we saw this game earlier this year in New Orleans. It was a very good ball game. And the Saints ended the Rams' perfect season uh, to that point, adding them their first loss of the year. And uh, ultimately, was the difference in home field advantage in the NFC. The Saints, though, you know, they, they didn't play great against the Eagles last week, winning twenty to fourteen. Really, should have lost that game last week if Alshon Jeffrey just does his job right. Uh, meanwhile the Rams are not playing their best football of the year right now I I felt like they played okay but not great against Dallas last week that uh, that they laid off the gas a little bit there in that second half I'm not feeling very confident about either one of these teams definitively right now just because neither one of these teams are where they were at even just a few weeks ago
1: you know, and in, in that, and I'm biased here, obviously, but I have to, I have to disagree on the Rams playing not so good ball of late. I mean, with the addition of C.J. Anderson, the Rams rushed for like 270 yards on the Cowboys, who are supposed to have a pretty good run defense. Not to mention, the Rams' run defense has been suspicious throughout the whole season. When you have the Dominican Sioux and Aaron Donald and Brockers on the front line, they held. The number one rusher in the NFL to like 47 yards rushing. Uh, if they can have that same performance, I mean, McVeigh's game plan for that to run the ball down Dallas' throat with the addition of CJ Anderson and obviously uh, arrested Gurley. And they honestly limited Gurley's snaps. I, I think CJ Anderson had more. You know, Gurley's coming off that injury, that inflammation of the knee. If they can do somewhat similar to that and not let drew Brees get that football like they did with dak and zeke i I think the time of possession i think the rams had it three-fourths of the whole the whole game or close to i would say probably 65 percent of the game had control of the ball they can do that against the saints the rams will win this football game can they i don't know the drew Brees is a whole nother monster compared to uh dak prescott uh and sean payton's a hell of a lot better coach than uh jason garrett so you know it's easier said than done, but if they can replicate what they did against Dallas, and I will agree they let off the gas in the second half, but if they can replicate anywhere near that, I think the Rams have a hell of a shot considering how uh, the Saints kind of played against the Eagles last week.
0: Yeah, you no, know, I I agree. I I think they do have a good chance to uh to pull this one off. But there's something about that Superdome, Tom. That is the best. A dome home field advantage in the league is the Superdome. Uh, there, there I is, think so. there's nothing like it uh, of what that that presence does in that building with Drew Brees and company. And he just turned forty this week. Uh, you know, I mean, we have a chance to have two forty-year-old quarterbacks in the uh, Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks if uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees can win here this weekend. But you you look at where this game might be decided, and I think it could come down to the secondary, and receivers battle. I mean, you have Michael Thomas, who's had a big year for the Saints, and you go on the other side for the Rams, and it's been inconsistent. There was a lot of hype this year about them bringing in Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib, and Aqib Talib has not looked like his old self. He he looks like he's aged a bit. Marcus Peters got picked apart by Drew Brees the last time he played. They were throwing at Marcus Peters last time, Uh, I mean, the the Rams' secondary has to be on their A game. They cannot lay an egg like they did the last time these two teams went out. I mean, the the Rams' secondary uh, versus the Saints' receivers
1: could be what decides this bowl game. No, I wholeheartedly agree there. And I I think the key uh, to do that is to find someone who's going to cover Michael Thomas or just hope that Michael Thomas doesn't have the same game. Uh, I mean, I would probably say that that is the most yards that he had all season. One game at 111 on what's supposed to be a damn good Rams defense. They were not. The um, good thing is the Rams have seen him before. Now, that goes two ways. The Saints have obviously seen the Rams as well. Uh, but I think both teams, and you might disagree here, I think both teams are a little bit different, uh, you know, with even even coming down to personnel since the last time, uh, that they've played. I expect the same type of game, uh, and being biased, I'll just say it anyway. This, that missed call when, uh, Hecker had the first down on the fake kick and they ruled it against kind of swing the momentum there. Maybe I'm being too, uh, of a, of a rough hater there. I'll let that slide, but, um, I think it's going to be the same type of game. I think it's, I would be shocked. Uh, very shocked if one team blew out the other, or if it was a lopsided game at all. I could I could see the same score, uh, but and hopefully in the Rams' favor this time.
0: I'll say this much, Tom: as we're kind of wrapping up the discussion on these games, is that these two matchups might be my favorite conference championship matchups ever. You have four high-powered offenses, the top four offenses in the league. And both these games would not surprise me if you had somebody or even both teams in both games scoring 40 points, especially in this Ram Saints game. I think it's less likely in the Patriots-Chiefs game because of the weather at Arrowhead and everything. But a dome in this Ram Saints matchup, we're setting for a shootout right here. could come down to who has the ball last, ultimately wins this game.
1: Oh, hands down, easily. And, and I agree with you there that I, I think that if the Chiefs, Uh, and the Patriots played in a dome, we could see the same type of score uh, that we'll most likely see with the Rams and Saints. I'm I'm talking 40 points or even, I mean, at lowest, I would say like a 41-38 type game. Um, And at most, maybe we go over the top and maybe we surpass uh, what the Chiefs and Rams game earlier this year. That one would be hard to top, but I would not be shocked if it was 48-45 or like a 45-41.
0: I'll say this, uh, we'll get to picks coming up uh, later on, so I'm not going to give away my pick yet, but I'll say this much, Tom. Of these four teams, I think not only are they all explosive offenses with elite quarterbacks, but I would say that I would not be surprised if any one of these four are the Super Bowl champion in a couple weeks. I could very well see the Saints winning these next two, the Rams winning these next two, the Chiefs, the Patriots, whatever. I think that, you know, between these four, you know, even if, what who's the weakest of these four? The Patriots? Even then, it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Like, yes, they can win these next two games. It's certainly within their possibilities here. I think that uh, there's a lot of possible scenarios out here. If you're trying to put betting odds of who's going to pull this off, it, it's tough because I think that. We're in for a number of possible scenarios. The best team might not even win it per se, uh, just because of how tough it is to go through these next two weeks uh, of these uh, this, these semifinals and then the championship game. We're in for a treat because we we got the four best teams. Uh, you know the 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 BCS. You know the system. You know the the playoff system worked itself out. We got the four best teams here. There's no debate about it uh, between who's. Uh, got the shot to win the title here. It's it's up for grabs for anybody at
1: this point. Oh, yeah, and this might go down as, you know, usually every year we have one team out of the four that we're like, okay, they're going to win. Uh, and I would say 75% of the time we're usually right. Uh, this time, I, I think across the board it's 25% all around. Everybody gets a quarter of it uh, because you really can't tell. Uh, now when we get to the Super Bowl and get to see the actual matchups between the players, teams, uh, then you might, you know, then it might be different. But if it's Chiefs Rams, we've already seen that game and what was probably the best NFL game that I have ever seen in person while I've been alive. Uh, it, it goes down to an instant classic. We'll be talking about the game for years and what would be awesome as just a fan if we could see that again in the Super Bowl. That's, that's what I want, but I don't know what you want. But I would not be shocked if it was the Saints and the Patriots. Two 40-year-old quarterbacks, that's another great storyline. Two of the top best quarterbacks of all time, Hall of Famers, immediate. Uh, I mean, there's so many different storylines that could happen here uh, either way. But, uh, I mean, I think at this point everybody has a pretty equal shot to make the Super Bowl. I think so, too. And uh, we'll get to our picks
0: coming up. Later on, and tell you who we think is going to end up in the Super Bowl, and we'll also tell you uh, our thoughts about Kyler Murray and his move, uh, what he's got going on, and a breakdown some Big Twelve basketball as well. And plus, Tom Fullery. a lot more to come. But first, Seth Kaiser of the Athletic joins us to uh, break down the Chiefs and uh, their possible scenario, what it's going to take for them to defeat the New England Patriots this weekend. Find out next, right here on the Jones Report. <laughs> At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the Jones Report. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs from the film perspective. It is uh, Seth Kaiser of The Athletic who joins us right now. Seth, as always, good to talk to you, man. What's uh, happening today?
2: Not a whole lot. Just uh, sitting here enjoying myself and uh, grinding through some film. Yes. Uh, You you saw...
0: A heck of a game against the Colts, a performance by the Chiefs over the weekend, 31-13. to As, you, as you, you look back at it the second time, Seth, as you're going through it, was it even more impressive, that game, uh, compared to what you saw the first time?
2: I think so, yes. Um, they, they, the Chiefs were just a clearly better team. It just, And that's not to take away from what the Colts have done this year. They, they It's been a remarkable turnaround. But the fact that they are a year ahead of schedule – in part due to coaching became really clear very early in that game when that coaching advantage didn't exist because both Andy Reid and Bob Sutton won the coaching matchup and it became really clear that the Chiefs were, a, were just a faster, more talented, stronger up front team. And it, it, was, it was just a real impressive performance all the way around. You really got to search to find a Chief that didn't play all that well. Right.
0: It- no doubt about that uh, for sure and it starts with that defense what they were able to do only giving up one offensive touchdown in this bowl game the other touchdown of course came Mm -hmm. off of the uh, block punt play early on in that game but this defense when you factor in the opponent going up against Mm -hmm. Andrew Locke who was you know, second in touchdowns uh, only behind Patrick Mahomes you could argue Seth this was their best performance of the year uh, with the opponent in mind and everything it was a great Showing from this defense, and and you know something that we've been waiting for pretty much all season long for
2: this team. It absolutely is, and I think you're quite correct that it was the best performance of the season. I don't even know if it's particularly close. I mean, you know, they had a pretty dominant performance against say Jacksonville, but that's against Blake Bortles. You know, there's just a whole different feel to that type of game. And, you know, the, the the talk going into the game was that the Chiefs weren't going to be able to slow down the Colts. That was just a given for everyone, and I fell into that trap a little bit myself, and the only question was, well, you know, is the Chiefs going to score on this supposedly pretty tough indie defense that was completely overwhelmed early in the game, and it, it, it was just interesting. Like you said, we've been waiting for it all year, and there was, just, there was more discipline in the secondary. They won the battle up front against a very good offensive line. Um, It was just an overall really strong performance. One thing that should be noted, and keep in mind, you know the defense started off well. They forced a three and out right out of the gate, which is great, although they were aided by a drop on that first drive. The game situation definitely did help the defense. Um, Belichick has already talked about it this week, and and everyone that analyzes the Chiefs has noted it makes a big difference when the Chiefs start hot because their defense is elite at one thing, getting after the quarterback, and if you can force teams to start playing catch-up like they did with the Colts, it makes a huge difference for them.
0: Right, right. In a game like we're going to see on Sunday against New England, uh New England cannot afford to fall behind in this game because when these mm-hmm. teams matched up the first time it came down to who had the ball last. New England did and they ultimately won this game. If Chiefs get off to that fast start, uh it's going to be very difficult because New England does not have the horsepower to stop Kansas City offensively. Uh, that first start is good. that you know hot start is going to be crucial if the Chiefs can get that
2: it absolutely will, and you know the interesting thing when you look back at the first matchup, the Patriots did a lot of stuff um, that gave Mahomes problems in the first half. You know, he threw two picks. They did a lot of uh, a lot of creative blitzes, a lot of showing six, seven, or even eight guys at the line of scrimmage, and then dropping some back into coverage while rushing others, and it gave Mahomes a lot of problems. I expect to see a very similar game plan. Um, they did against the Chargers. They did a lot of uh, cover zero with without even a safety over the top and just having a ton of guys at the line of scrimmage and then backing some off and blitzing some while playing press man across the board. That's probably the game plan that's given Mahomes the most trouble this year. The Broncos have done it with some success. The Pats did it with some success. The Ravens did it with some success. Those are the toughest games that he's had, and that's the toughest looks that he's faced. And if the Patriots are going to need to slow them down and prevent the fast start because, like you alluded to, they're not built to come back from 14 down. Um, maybe when they still have Josh Gordon, maybe. And Gordon, if you'll recall, played a pretty crucial role in that in that first matchup. And so it, they, they, they can't afford to get into a shootout with the Chiefs, in my opinion. They're going to need the defense to play as well as it did against the Chargers. And if they fall down, you know, 10, 14 early – that 's a tough order because you can 't come back down double digits with throwing the ball to your running backs twenty times
0: absolutely. no doubt about that for sure uh, when, when we look at this this game going into this weekend seth uh, you, you know the the big question that I think everybody 's wondering is. Is what we saw last week here to stay? Can they do that two weeks in a row? I mean, uh, I right. mean, you—they've played so well at home this year. I get that defensively, they've been a whole different team. But can you do it back-to-back weeks? That's that's tough to do it against Andrew Luck, let alone doing it again against Tom Brady.
2: Well, and that's that's the problem. You know, they just got done performing their best—the best job they've done all year against a good offense. Now they're playing an even better offense and an even better quarterback, an even better coach team. Whether they can be that dominant two weeks in a row, I doubt. Um, there, there's a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. You know, and I've been back and forth on that all year. But it, it just, they, they seem to, when, they, when they've got things going, they seem to be able to get some stuff done. Again, so much of it's going to depend on the game situation. If the Patriots are able to utilize both the run and the pass, and they're able to be a diverse offense like they normally are, I think that it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to, to avoid letting them get points and yards. But if the Chiefs' offense is able to get some stuff going and force the Patriots to be a little more one-dimensional, then you're in a good situation because that pass-rushing group of the Chiefs is just a terror. And it's worth noting that the Patriots, the first time the Chiefs played, Justin Houston wasn't in there. And there's a huge difference between having Breland Speaks as one of your three main pass rushers and having Justin Houston.
0: Oh, absolutely there is, and and Breland Sticks had, speaks at a few good moments at times, but he's not yep. Justin Houston in that regard, at least not yet anyway, so uh, definitely right. so, uh, as far as that goes. Seth Kaiser of the Athletic joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Seth, uh, let's uh, talk about that offense now. Patrick Mahomes played very well against Indy last week, but yet he still didn't have to do too much, per se, as Damian Williams did a great job running the football. Uh, I mean, great to have that option in uh, Damian Williams there that there hasn't been a drop-off, if any at all, between uh, him and Kareem Hunt. And Damian Williams has been uh, great in that role, so much so he got a two-year contract extension out of it.
2: And He's a guy that I'm, um, I'm reviewing this week and, and the guy that I looked at and wrote about in my weekly film review article at The Athletic. He's an interesting player because even though he is not as good a runner as Kareem Hunt, and very few people are, that's not a knock on Williams, Hunt is, is supremely talented. Um, Williams is arguably a slightly better fit for what the Chiefs do because he's so much faster and because he can do so much more as a receiver. They, they, they send him out wide multiple times in the game. Now, to be fair, he didn't get a lot of targets when they motioned him out wide to the boundary, but what happens with a lot of, especially when you're facing like cover two schemes and stuff, when you send your running back to the boundary and then run a spread, you inevitably end up with some really good matchups on the inside, and the Chiefs have taken advantage of that. With Williams, you can do a lot there. There's actually a couple snaps where he was on the boundary and a linebacker followed him out there, and he's way too fast. Way too fast. And so I wouldn't surprise me to see a deep shot or two come his way from that formation. He also is just so fast to hit the hole. He's able to to chew up five yards before they can get to him. And as the year goes along, it seems like he's gaining confidence in terms of shaking tackles and getting himself into open space. One thing he does need to work on, he doesn't always get north-south. You know, you see some of those runs that maybe should be like a stuff or a one-yard loss turns into like a five-yard loss because he tries to get a little too creative. He tries to harness his inner Tyree Kill.
0: Right, right. He he does that at times, and and uh, but other times he's been uh, terrific with that 120-plus yeah. yard game that he had last week. So uh, we'll see if he can keep that up again this week. Seth Kaiser, the Athletic, joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Seth, one of the things that New England does so well, it seems, is... That they take away an option or two from their opponent. That Bill Belichick does a great job defensively. In the past, they've taken away Travis Kelsey at times. That uh, that they've been able to successfully do that in some of these other games. If they take away somebody, let's say it's you know Hunt, or if, not Hunt. If they take away you know uh, you know Kelsey or Hill or somebody, who is going to need to step up? That that we're not talking about to fill a void. Uh, if they do take away one of the big targets, who's going to be the guy that? needs to have, have a good
2: game uh, on Sunday, if that's the case. I think, given what the Pats have done against the Chiefs traditionally, they are one of the few teams that is willing to bracket and double Kelsey all game. They, they press him at the line. They, I mean they, Their intention has always been to take him out of the game. I don't necessarily expect that to change. Um, I, I think that I think that Tyree Hill is going to need to have a big game. He was really quiet in the first half earlier in the year, and then he kind of exploded in the second half, and not just on the one big touchdown at the end, but multiple catches. I think Hill is is he needs to step up and be the guy. Now, if they try to take away Hill, obviously that changes a few things. Belichick is he's the one coach in the league that will genuinely commit to taking away one guy. Um, and so but for me Hill is the biggest answer because even though he's kind of one of the stars I think the Patriots try to take away Kelsey again Which means Hill needs to be able to recognize and take advantage of the matchups he gets Because they might still try to put a safety over the top on Hill And so he needs to recognize where the openings are Watkins is another obvious choice because now we're getting down the line You can't game plan to take away three receivers. You just can't no one can not even Belichick Unless they let them have, you know, 16 defenders on the field. And so Hill and Watkins, they play a huge role, especially if the Patriots commit to this cover zero. That's where the receivers need to get separation. They need to get it quickly. They need to find the open zones. Because if they do that, with them being aggressive at the line of scrimmage, there's going to be opportunity for yards after the catch.
0: Sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seth Kaiser joining us here on the Jones Report right now. Seth, uh, that quarterback position, Patrick Mahomes, what does he need to do to uh, do, to be successful here in, against uh, New England? He's played well. All season long, what's it going to take yep. for him to uh, to get this done for uh, for for KC? Because I mean, if, if he plays like he did last week, uh, that that might be good enough. But for certain, he, he's got to step play better than he did last week. Not that he played bad by any means, but they're going to need more out of him than probably what they saw last week.
2: I think they probably will. Like you pointed out, they didn't need him to do much last week. Now he made he had a few third down conversions where he made some of his typical miraculous plays. And I mean, the funny part is what what Kel- what Kelsey what Mahomes did last week would have been one of the better games from Alex Smith in 2017. We're already I mean. getting so used to him performing at such a high level. Um, but he did miss a few throws that he should have hit. Uh, he had Hill a couple times that could have been really big plays, and he just missed them. Now, to be fair, Hill also dropped a big one, and Watkins dropped one. and So there, there's a, a little bit going on there. He needs to maybe show a little more accuracy down the field, especially, again, if the Patriots are going to be aggressive in trying to to place him cover zero, try to fool him at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, they need to be willing to say, all right, they're blitzing. I need to be ready to just go over the top at any moment force the Patriots away from a cover zero aggressive blitz plan because if he can hit a few shots over the top, even a coach is committed to his game plan as Belichick will have to change things up. So he's going to, I think need to be more accurate down the field. That's something that he did in that first matchup. He was pretty accurate down the field in the second half and it forced the Patriots to change things up because you can't run an aggressive cover zero blitz package when you've got a guy throwing bombs 40 yards down the field. Um, the other thing that he needs to do is, and this is something that's been true all year, his one, I would call, weakness as a quarterback. And it's not like it's necessarily a huge weakness. It's just the one thing he's not elite at yet is recognizing where the pressure is coming from. When he gets blitzed, you know he'll burn teams a lot of the time, so that's the risk when you blitz Mahomes because if you don't get to him, you're in trouble. But sometimes, and we saw this against the Colts too in a couple of those third-down sacks in the second half, he just doesn't see it coming, and it's an immediate sack, or you know, he, he'll, he'll make a, a difficult throw into coverage that might result in a pick. So that's what he needs to be working on all week, is look at what they did to, to, to mess with him in the first half of the last game, and look at what they just did against Phil Rivers, because I think they're going to come with a fairly similar game plan.
0: Oh, I, I think so. I think it's going to be very similar to what they had uh, a week ago. Seth, uh, we've seen in the past that Bill Belichick has had his way against Andy Reid. That he's uh, done much better in these head-to-head matchups. Uh, do, do you think Belichick can simply just outcoach Andy, and that be enough uh, on on New England's end? Can uh, is that going to be possibly the difference? Can that be the difference in this ball game if Belichick just simply outcoaches Andy Reid?
2: Oh, it could be. I mean, in the NFL is uh, the most uh, coach-heavy league in existence. You you can see it when one coach just does better. I'll say one thing, though. I mean, I saw an interesting stat floating around. You know, Belichick coach teams have allowed 40-plus points like four times in the last decade and a half or something crazy like that, and it's been Andy Reid pretty much every time. Um, so, you know, even though they, they haven't faced off a ton, and the Patriots have won more than they've lost, but at the same time, you know this earlier this year you you had the chiefs put up forty um the chiefs you know just destroyed the pass at Arrowhead a few years back um to open the season last year, Reed came out with a game plan Belichick was completely unprepared for so I think while Belichick is the best coach, probably of all time, I think Andy Reed gives up less than most coaches do to him, particularly when you're talking his offense against Belichick's defense. The only time I've seen Belichick's defense really kind of have its way against Reed's offense, at least while he's been in Kansas City, was in the playoffs in the divisional round a few years back, and that was when Jamal Charles was hurt, when Jeremy Macklin was hurt, where they you know, where Jason Avant was the only person Alex Smith had to throw to. And so I think that's I think Reed can can counteract a lot of what Belichick does on defense. It's the other side of the ball that I'm a lot more worried about, given what we saw earlier this year.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. Uh, Seth, if if the Chiefs do get past New England and move on to the Super Bowl, obviously you love just being there, but if you had to choose a matchup for KC, who, who matches up better for them? Is it the Saints or is it the Rams?
2: I think the Rams are a better matchup um, just because the the Saints, I think, are a more well-balanced team. Um, they can win in a variety of ways. Um, now, both teams are a tough matchup for the Chiefs because both of them are very, very, very good at running the ball and very committed to running the ball. Um, so that's that's a tough matchup for the Chiefs either way. I think that they've shown that even in a day where they turn the ball over multiple times that they can light up that Rams defense. And so that to me is the is the best matchup there. Even if that was without Talib, and he's back now. I, I, so I, with the Saints, there's just there's much more of an unknown there. Um, and so I, I think that's the better matchup for them. I think the Rams are an inferior team in, in when compared to the Saints. They're just not quite as well balanced. And I just think Jared Goff, while he has a great arm and he can make some great flows within the boundaries of the system, he can be rattled in a way that I don't think Drew Brees can be.
0: Seth, uh, you know, as just a lifelong Chiefs fan like you are, how excited are you for for Sunday for this opportunity? Uh, it's it's late enough you you get out of church in time to see the whole thing live. Uh, tell me, uh,
2: just tell me. about <laughs> well, I, that. I would I would, have, I would have ended church early if it hadn't been. I, you know, that's the that's the advantage of being the pastor. That's true. <laughs> well, guys, it looks like it's time to wrap up. Yeah, so I, I uh, it, it's it, it's so exciting. Um, it's it's really fun. I actually decided not to even try to attend the game live or try to attend the game as a member of the press, just because I want to watch this game as a fan. I want to watch it with my sons. Uh, I want to watch it with my wife. I want to watch it with my sister, who's a huge Chiefs fan. This is, you never know how rare these opportunities might be. Now, I know a lot of Chiefs fans, and I personally feel like, with Patrick Mahomes, it feels as though they'll get another shot at this. Um, Just because of how great he's already been, However, there's no guarantees. You know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to that many NFC championships. And so there's a unique opportunity here. And the fact that it's at Arrowhead, this is a cool thing. And I just, I hope that now that the playoff win at Arrowhead, Monkey is off Chiefs fans back, that they take the time to enjoy what is happening here and not get too hung up on, man, well, now if they make the Super Bowl, that'd be really cool. You know, enjoy what's already happened. This has been a great great season oh absolutely you know we're, we're not
0: guaranteed tomorrow i mean just enjoy yep. the moment uh, that, that this is going to be for sure for kansas city and, and then the opportunity to bring the lamar hunt trophy back to kansas city this being the first ever playoff game uh, ever uh, afc championship game at arrowhead stadium uh th- this game has all the feels to it i mean there's there's something going to be something special uh about sunday when uh when this all happens seth
2: I absolutely agree. I think this is, a, um, this, this, this is such a unique opportunity, and there's so many things that feel like they're falling into place. I love the fact that they're playing the Patriots. That I, I said prior to the playoffs, I said my dream scenario was play the Colts, then play the Patriots, so you can just exercise every demon along the way. And, and you know the only thing better would have been somehow – you know, beating the Steelers on their way to the playoffs, but they already mollywhopped them in week two, so that one was fine as well. So uh, this is such a unique opportunity. I'm so excited about it. I, I have a good feeling about this game, a better feeling than I did about the Colts game, so now we'll see if I, if I have the gift of prophecy.
0: <laughs> uh we'll, we'll find out here uh, very soon and add the weather element to it uh it's going to be freezing cold but uh it'll make it even more memorable uh, to say the least and, and hopefully arrowhead comes out in a uh, full force for sure in this one seth appreciate the time uh, check him out uh on uh, twitter at real mn chiefs fan and uh, also his work on the athletic doing a great job covering the Chiefs all season long seth appreciate the time man thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy the game on sunday
2: That sounds great, man. You enjoy the game as well.
0: Big thanks to Seth Kaiser for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. Tom, uh, Kaga Murray has decided to declare for the NFL draft. Big shocker, he's not returning to the University of Oklahoma to play football for free. Instead, he will have the option to go to the MLB, where he's already been selected by the Oakland A's, with the number 7 pick, or actually number 9 pick of last year's draft, which uh, paid him a signing bonus of $4.66 million, which he's already accepted, and he could possibly earn more. There's some ways uh, that they're trying to work out with the MLB that he could get Major League money almost immediately if he were to do so, that Rob Manford and company, uh, the whole entire league, is trying to persuade him to go to the MLB side. But Kyler... Is going to the NFL draft, and now Tom, if if Kyler Murray is picked in the first round, it is going to be hard, I think, for him to say no to the NFL because I I think that's what he clearly wants to do here because uh th- this seemed like you know you know before the season everything was set in place that you know hey he's going to play baseball after a year you know that that seemed like a done deal but now you know with with the interest level that he's put out there i think he's serious about playing football that's what ultimately he's going to do and, and that's what his real passion is you know to give up all that time he could have been in the minor leagues right now and already been preparing for the majors to go ahead and play college football to go out there and win the Heisman trophy to play for free like he did i i am going to assume that Kyler's putting his hopes on going to the National Football League and with a weak quarterback class this year with Justin Herbert staying in school and uh, Tua as well as uh, Trevor Lawrence not being eligible, he could be the first or even second quarterback taken in this year's draft despite his lack of size and height. So uh, to me, this this seems like what is going to be the most likely scenario is him playing football in the National Football League next season.
1: It seems to be the case, especially when uh, you know Cliff already mentioned. But I mean, I think this was even before his Arizona Cardinals hiring that he would take him first, or he would, you know, wish he had the chance to to take him. Uh, I know they have Josh Rosen, but uh, you know, I think the chance that he's a first-round pick is pretty damn high. Uh, and now, granted, if he didn't have the Heisman season, if he didn't have the season he had. Uh, and let's say OU season was a complete letdown, uh, then I think he's going to the MLB. Uh, But it's pretty indicative that, you know, just to announce that he's going to the draft and, and not forego that and go straight to the MLB, it's pretty indicative that he kind of wants to keep playing football.
0: I think so. I, I think he's made that pretty clear. I, I think that... Baseball was kind of like a safety net of some sorts, where if he didn't play well this season, if he played like he did at Texas A&M, or just was good and not great like he was, then okay, yeah, he'll go play baseball. But the other thing with this, Tom, is that baseball will always be there. The A's are still going to own his rights. You look at this, I, I get it that you know one play, your career could be over with, but quarterbacks have more protection than they've ever had before. He's got a big chance to earn more money than he even would in Major League Baseball, and, and I think he enjoys the sport of football more than he does baseball here. I can't blame the guy one bit. If it doesn't work out, then baseball will always be there. I mean, you look at, you know, freaking Tim Tebow hadn't played baseball in close to a decade, and he's going to be on his way to the majors probably this year at 31 years old. So baseball will always be there if this doesn't work out for Kyler Murray. This seems to be uh, a good move for him.
1: I think so too. Now, and then Jones, I'm not sure of the rules on this or how this works. Uh, if he stays and let's say he has a Hall of Fame career in the NFL, or let's say he just has a good career and he plays for 10 seasons and you know does all right, you know, there's no reason he plays well enough that there's no reason for him to go to the MLB. How is Oakland compensated for that? How does that work? I mean, he wasn't like the you know, the whatever number pick in the 100th round that baseball has. He uh, went in the first round, ninth pick. I mean, how do they get compensated for that? They could have picked someone else who could have turned into be the next Bryce Harper.
0: Well, they uh, lose the uh, the pick uh, altogether. They do not get that back uh, of any sorts uh, in that situation. So it's a real bummer for them. But this happens. You have guys in baseball, and this doesn't happen hardly ever in the NFL or the NBA drafts, that don't sign, that you end up losing that pick, and that would be the case. They would still own his rights, so if he ever did decide to play, then they would have the opportunity to get him before anyone else does. Um, but it, it would be unfortunate for the A's that uh, this organization spent that hive of a pick and, and lose out in Kyler Murray, if that's the case, uh, as far as that so, goes.
1: So let's do a hypothetical here. The Oakland A's could have changed the history of college football in a slight way here. I'm guessing if they barred him from playing college football and they said, if we draft you and have this $4.8 million or whatever it was set aside for you. I mean, I think they had the option. They could have told him, no, you can't play college football at that point. Is that is that correct? Or they could have had some influence. But the A's said, yeah, go ahead and play.
0: I think he they wouldn't no, have signed if he wasn't going to be allowed to play college football. I think that's what Kyler Murray was looking at in his situation, that he was only going to sign with the team if they were going to let him play college football. And so, I mean, it, it's a tough situation for the A's to be dealing with uh, that they're probably going to lose out on their star uh, player if that's the case. Uh, but, you I know, mean, most-
1: if you're an ace fan, you're a little pissed.
0: Oh, yeah. If you're an ace fan and Kyler Murray never suits up for you, you're probably going to hate him. Uh, no matter what, well, you're probably going to be an enemy of Kyler Murray uh, for his he entire football career Raiders. not want him to succeed. Yeah, and then he goes to the Raiders. Right. He goes to the Raiders, and then the Raiders move to Las Vegas too?
1: And then win a Super Bowl his rookie year.
0: Oh, wouldn't that be hilarious, you know, if it worked out he that way? He could never set
1: foot in Oakland.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah, I that don't think would he would something. be allowed to ever return to Oakland under any circumstance. Uh, if that would no, be the probably case, probably not. I'll say this: as far as his NFL projections go, and what he brings to the National Football League, the arm is there, the accuracy is there, the speed is there. This guy—I said this from the day he stepped on the football field against FAU that very first game—that is a better version of Michael Vick playing college football. It's a cleaned-up version of Michael Vick, of who Kyler Murray is. And the thing with Michael Vick, I think that Kyler Murray is going to face the same problem. It's not the talent ability. It's not what he's capable of doing on the field. It's if his body can hold up. Michael Vick never played an entire 16-game season in his NFL career. That's what concerns me when I look at Kyler Murray. Nothing to do with his talent ability, nothing to do with any of that. He's got the arm strength, he's got the accuracy, he's got the running ability, he's got it all. But it's it's can his body hold up with that five eight, you know, a buck seventy five frame, that's what concerns me more than anything,
1: Tom. Yeah, the height thing for sure. Uh if he doesn't go first round, maybe NFL GMs are looking at the height, maybe they're looking at his other Plan B to go to the MLB and dip out. Uh, that in itself could maybe hurt his draft stock. If, if not the MLB, then obviously the height thing. Uh, would that not make him the shortest quarterback in the league? Uh, he would. He would be uh, one of the one of if not the shortest quarterback
0: in the league. He's uh, he measures right FD at five minutes. ten, and there's only been two quarterbacks since two thousand that have been drafted that were six-foot or shorter, and that was Michael Vick and Johnny Menzel. So, what about
1: Russell Wilson?
0: Russell Wilson is above six-foot. He's at about six one exactly. Uh, he and Baker Mayfield <laughs> measure out at one, just barely. Uh, Drew Brees as well. Um, but, yeah, Kyler Murray would be in the league of his own when it comes to heights, but we'll see ultimately if he can put it together. Best of luck to him, no doubt. And uh, I-, I personally, selfishly, Tom, I want to see him continue to play football, uh, because that Heisman season just left me wanting more. I want to see more from this guy, what he's capable of doing on a football field. I would hate to see, uh, to to look back and just never see Conrad Murray play football again. I'm not a huge baseball guy, you know, I mean, what's he going to do that's any different than what we've seen in the baseball field? What he does on the football field is special. There's something unique what he brings to a football field. I want to see him continue in doing that selfishly.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I feel the same way. Even though I'm not an OU fan, I, I want to see what comes out of the story. I'm more interested in the storyline. I, I think if he was to go to ML to the MLB and just end up being a bust for whatever reason, uh, then I think we could see like a thirty for thirty get on the on this guy. What if maybe even both ways? Maybe what if maybe we get a 30-30 thirty. 30 Either way, maybe if he goes to the NFL and doesn't do well, or has you know an injury that limits his baseball ability, maybe we get a thirty for thirty out of this guy. You don't see these players that often.
0: No, uh, no, Kyler Murray is this generation's Bo Jackson or Dion Sanders. That's that's who he is.
1: You know, and and Brandon Whedon played for the Yankees, but he wasn't a superstar. Then came back and had you know incredible year but you Then tried out the NFL and didn't do jack. shit. Um. So, you know, there are those players out there, but not a Heisman, not a ninth pick and then a Heisman winner. Right. It doesn't happen. No, it doesn't I think happen. Whedon, I think Whedon went to in the third round to the Yankees. Yeah, and then he was picked in
0: the first round by the Browns, and his career was kind of over before it started when he fell underneath the American exactly. flag in the National Anthem. So, yeah, but best of luck to Kyler Murray. I, I think he's going to be successful in whatever he does. Uh, But uh, we'll see. Hopefully it's on that football field is uh, where he ends up. Uh, Big 12 hoops. Tom, I I feel like we haven't talked much, if any at all, Big 12 hoops this season. Just because we've been so football heavy with so much football stuff going on. And we're already, you know, about two or three weeks into Big 12 play to this point. And obviously KU's the team to be as they are every single year. But it, it feels like this team is vulnerable. They're not blowing teams out. They lost Yudoka Azabuki for the entire season. Uh, you know, their their best guard this year has been Legerald Vick, and he's been very inconsistent up and down, you know, turning the ball over a lot. They lack three-point shooting. This was supposed to be a top-two team in college basketball this year, and they very well might be. Bill Self is a miracle worker. He's done this before, but as of right now, when you look at what Texas Tech is doing, uh, when you see these other teams around the league, Iowa State, TCU, K-State, among others, uh, the Big 12's always tough. You know, Texas gave KU all they could handle the other night here. Um, you know, KU is in, they, they got to work it out for them. You know, if the streak, I don't think is going to end, but if it's ever going to end, um this is going to be a tough road that the Jayhawks have ahead of them dealing with this very good Big 12 conference uh, with with teams. The, the, the big part of this is that not only are Tech and Iowa State and those guys good, they're better than what most of us expected that they would be. That's what makes them so dangerous is that, uh, I mean, any given night, KU can lose to those guys and possibly end up a game or two back when it's all said and done at the end of the league play.
1: Oh, for sure, and, and right now it's obviously tech right there in the face. It's also Iowa State. Are they already beat KU? Um, so, granted that was at Iowa State, um, but same way, you know, if they don't lose, they do not lose uh, as a Buki. Then maybe different tune here. Uh, but with him being gone for the season, like you said, if there was any year that they lose the streak, this is probably the best shot at it, uh, no doubt. And Texas Tech. Uh, what a job uh, so far that they've done this year. I think it's KU 7 and Tech is 8 right now. Is that correct? Yeah, and it depends on what poll you look at. The other polls there, got Tech yeah. ahead of KU. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, I mean, that being said, you know, it can all change. Uh, I feel like last year we talked about Big 12 hoops so much every single week, and it seemed like every week we had a different opinion or it had, there was a new wrench uh in the formula um so maybe we see that a little bit more this year just because of uh, you know how many good teams there are in the big 12 uh you know there's still a lot left to play uh but we're coming up on uh, you know a big february so if, the, if this is going to be the year i can see it happening i i can too I,
0: I would pick ku to win the league but i think tech's got a good shot at doing it, and it all goes back to their coach, Chris Beard. Nobody plays like Texas Tech does. That Bobby Knight brand of basketball that you know Chris Beard runs there at Texas Tech, nobody in the country does. They play such a unique style. They can play tough, man-to-man defense like no one else has ever seen and still not get in foul trouble, which is just amazing. Uh, they can score on the offensive end, too. It's quite the unique balance and they make up for their talent that they might not have compared to a Kansas team because they play so differently so it's so unique in that sense I don't know if this is the year that KU loses the streak like I said I would take KU to win it but whenever that streak comes to an end could be this year could be next year may even be the year after that whenever it is I think that as long as Chris Beard is at Texas Tech Chris Beard and Texas Tech are going to be the team that ends KU's streak. They're going to be the ones to get it done uh, because he is the second best coach in this league. He's a top 10 coach in college basketball. Uh, You know, after Fred Hoiberg left the Big 12, there was kind of a mantle that was waiting to be passed around who would be the next best coach in this league. Uh, some thought it was going to be Lon Kruger, and Kruger had some good teams, went to a Final Four, but I think Chris Beard has clearly taken that with what he's done with Texas Tech. They're here to stay, and they're here to compete for a long time. They're they're definitely KU's biggest threat, not only this year, but for years to come.
1: Oh, for sure, and, and the job he's done there at Tech uh, just to bring them back, uh, you know, after the Bobby Knight days. It's just been incredible to watch. And, and like you said, if anybody's going to do it, I, whether it be this year, next year, the year after that, or hell, who knows when, I, in in the foreseeable future, you think it's got to be Tech. Uh, there's not a – maybe Iowa State would be the other one, but at the same time, I mean, I, th- I think Tech would be the one to dethrone KU.
0: The hardest part about this, Tom, is that not only does KU get, you know – these games at Allen Fieldhouse, you know, an advantage that they have that not everybody else has in the sense of atmosphere and home field advantage. But in the sense of that, you know, if you're going to take down KU and end this run, it's it's not going to be by tying them for the league. Part of that 15-year stretch of KU winning these Big 12 titles has included, you know, some, some shared conference titles. Uh, to, to end KU's streak, you got to win this thing outright. I could very well see KU maybe splits the Big 12 with Texas Tech. Maybe K-State gets in there. I don't know. I mean, you could have a split title, and the streak continues for KU. In order to get this over with, to end KU's run, somebody has not only got to you know, beat them, but beat the rest of the league and beat it outright. That's crazy for anyone to try to accomplish, let alone just share a title with
1: KU. Oh, definitely, and the way K State's been playing here recently, it seems uh, they've been playing good basketball. And they got Dean Wade back now; that's a huge part of their equation. Exactly, and and so even to share it now, could I see them sharing it this year? Yes, but just to win an outright over KU, or just you know to take the whole damn thing—it's gonna—it's no easy task. Uh, But again, if if someone's gonna do it, I think it's got to be Beard and Tech. Uh, and, and it might be this year, uh, with you know, as Buki gone. gone, uh, this the door is
0: open. When, when we look at Big Twelve teams to possibly make the Big Dance, Tom, I'm thinking about this already looking ahead. I think you got KU, Texas Tech, Iowa State, or shoe Those are three teams there. K State as well, NTCU. That's five. Oklahoma at six. There's six teams. Texas is on the borderline, and then I'm not feeling good at all about Baylor West Virginia or Oklahoma State's chances I think that you got six teams that are for sure in or pretty close locks and, and then maybe Texas if they, I mean they, they can't be inconsistent like they are I think Texas is your borderline team there at the bottom the other six I feel pretty good about uh, but Texas is the one that's going to be on the verge I think at best, the Big 12 is looking at seven teams when it comes to this year's NCAA tournament.
1: I could see that, yeah. And, and Baylor and, and Oklahoma State, I mean, that's that's just not happening there. Uh, like you said, the shoe-ins, you got Tech, KU, Iowa State. Uh, TCU, sure, all you know. I, I pretty much agree with you there. If I had to put it, you know, I'm going to go with the median, I, I would say as little as five uh, and as many as seven. Uh, I think seven. I mean, that's needs some good basketball play, but I I, I I could see it.
0: Well, and one more factor in this too, Tom, with the bottom of the league being down a little bit, with you know that Baylor, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State group. If there's one positive about that bottom there, it does mean more wins for those other seven. Last year, you had other than Iowa State, nine, you know, quality. NCAA tournament teams last year in the Big Twelve. You had nine teams that were capable, and maybe Iowa State. Probably, I'd say maybe Iowa State would have won a mid-major league last year. I mean, you throw them in the Horizon League, whatever. They're going to win the NCAA. They're going to win their conference still, even though they had a losing record in the Big Twelve. But you had at least nine Big Twelve. You know, nine Big Twelve NCAA tournament quality teams this year. You have. Only seven that are quality, big you know, NCAA tournament teams. With that being said, those wins should be easier to come by when you're facing those other three opponents. The the guys up top should be able to add to their resume and get more of just those W's that weren't there a year ago. If there's one benefit to the league maybe being down at the down a little bit in, in the bottom of the league, it is that there is more wins to come by for the rich to get richer, per se.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because last year it was just, uh, you know, couldn't tell who was going to win night in and night out, and, and it was you just were fighting grind. for every game just to get yeah. A win. It was a grind. It was a grindhouse last year, and so yeah, I, I definitely agree. This year, you know, the wins will be easier to come by. And, you know, now you can't take any game lightly. I would still say in the Big Twelve, especially if you're playing a road game. Uh, because it can be anybody's night. Nice still, I feel like, in the Big 12. But at the same time, it's a lot, lot less harder than it was last year.
0: I'll, I'll, one more note on this. As far as championship contenders go, I think the only teams that are capable of going to the Final Four right now, and the key word is right now, because nobody thought K-State was capable of even going to the Elite Eight until they actually showed up in the Elite Eight last year. Right now, I think you know, KU and Texas Tech are the only teams capable of doing so But this year in college basketball as a whole has proven to have a lot more parity than we thought. Everybody was high on Duke, and they lost one to Gonzaga on a neutral site earlier in the year, and they lost to Syracuse at home this week. Even as talented as Duke is, they've lost two games that they shouldn't have. to inferior opponents, teams that they were better than. So this year is already shaping up to be a year of opportunity for maybe a team that wouldn't it quite have that talent level on most years that uh, that even a team like Duke is not as good as what we thought.
1: Yeah, and that was shocking. I mean, Syracuse, it would be a Syracuse team uh, that would do that. But I could see a team like Iowa State, I would not be shocked if they pulled like a K-State last year and made the Elite Eight. I mean, you always have those teams that end up ruining your bracket, and Iowa State's been known to ruin a lot of things. Um, so... As far as that goes, I wouldn't be shocked to see Iowa State make the Elite Eight. Uh, I do agree with your Final Four. I think the only two teams that could relatively make it as we see the rosters now, as we see the wins and losses right now, would be KU and Tech.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's go ahead and get to our picks for this week, our picks against the spread. Tom, you're in a tough situation. You're one game back at Belly for the lead. And you, you need to make up some ground one way or the other here. So we got a couple different scenarios that we're trying to work out. So these picks that you're given this week might not necessarily reflect your actual picks, uh, but you are here to, to play to win the game, as uh, the great, you know, Denny Greenwood say. Oh, for sure. So
1: Billy is up one game Actually, on the right.
0: Actually, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, but three games left, Billy's up on me one, and and you know, I, tonight, you know, while we're talking here, I'll give the picks that I, I'll give my initial picks, and, and it'll be pretty much the two picks that I want to be, that I want to see in the Super Bowl, uh, is it, kind of how I'm playing this, but you know, kind of however Billy picks, I gotta play to win, like you said, so... Even if I don't agree with one, I have to still somewhat tie him. So, therefore, the Super Bowl would be a tiebreaker game. Either if we pick the same team in the Super Bowl, it would go to a final tiebreaker score. Or it would just be an outright. Billy picks one team. I pick the other. And the winner of the Super Bowl, whoever gets it right, wins the pick for the year. Right. Uh, I hate to play it that way sometimes. But when it's this close... Uh, and, and you know Derek doesn't have a shot. Derek had a good comeback run. I mean he's right. I mean he's a couple games behind. If we had another week, he could be somewhat in combo. I think you
0: could go zero three the next few weeks and still finish second.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I have like 113 games won, and Derek's at 109.
0: Yeah. So um, yeah, you could. You're you're going for broke at this point here. You're you're just yeah, going all so, and going
1: yeah. for the win. Yeah, I can't. Technically, I can't lose with three. If I got every game wrong and Derek got every game right, he'd still finish one behind me. So, Um, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to go for the win here. Uh, With that said, we can go ahead and move on to those picks.
0: All right, let's get started. AFC Championship game. You heard us break it down earlier in the show between the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. The Chiefs hosting the AFC Championship game for the first time ever at Arrowhead Stadium. Taking on this New England Patriots team that's done this time and time again. Tom Brady has won a lot of these AFC championships over the years, and the only thing in his way from getting to the Super Bowl is Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs team. Tom, this is a tough game. I, I think that the Chiefs are the better team, but I do think that when you factor in what new England is capable of doing in the postseason their history respecting what they've done I know that Tom Brady's taken on this very silly uh you know us against the world mentality which they have no right to take on basically uh you know I I think that this is a coin flip game this is 50-50 I could really see it going either way from a gambling perspective you know it might make sense to take New England here and still think KC's gonna win but at three points I'm still going to take KC at home to get those three points. I like them to win and to cover, but not by much. I think this is somewhere between four and seven. I do not feel confident about this pick straight up. I don't feel confident about this pick against the spread either, but I'll go ahead and take KC a, as a three-point uh, favorite in this one. First time since, uh, since 2006, Tom, that the Patriots are not favored in a playoff game.
1: Yeah, that's pretty shocking. and I mean, that's just a testament. Maybe the dynasty is dying. Maybe it's not. Maybe the Chiefs are just that good. Uh, I have to kind of agree with everything you've said uh, in in the regard of being a coin flip game uh, while at the same time respecting the Patriots. If the line was any higher than three, if it was like maybe five and a half, Uh, then I would be more inclined to take the Patriots. And I'm sure this will change for me because Billy's team is the Chiefs. I I guarantee it will change because I know that's who he will take. For the sake of integrity and for the sake of who I think is really going to win, uh, maybe, you know, straight up, I will take the Chiefs. Uh, But I would be shocked if the Chiefs still win, but the Patriots get the spread
0: okay okay all right so there's your picks we both like uh new england uh, we both like kc as far as that goes here's a quick question for you tom Th- this game it's supposed to be zero degrees it's gonna snow and everything if you were given
1: tickets would you go to this game uh do i already live in kansas city or do i have to drive uh yeah if you I'm already at? live here yeah Oh, if I already lived in Kansas City and I didn't have anything to do on Sunday, yeah, I probably would. Just because it's not a rigmarole game. This is not a typical New England's most likely going to win type ordeal like it is every other year. Uh, Like we talked about earlier, I I mean, I'm giving a 25% shot to each team. I think it's pretty equal across the board for these four teams. So most definitely, if I didn't have a ticket to the Rams-Saints game, (laughs) then I would most definitely be there. All right. No, it's cold, but for the sake of being a sports fan, and if it was a free ticket, I'm going.
0: If you liquor up enough, you can forget how cold it is. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. As far as that goes. Uh, one more game to pick, uh, New Orleans and L.A. The uh, Rams coming in as a three-and-a-half point underdog in this game. Tom, uh, that that line, I feel, is, is actually kind of big. I know it's not a huge margin, but... Three and a half. I mean, this, this game could come down to a missed extra point or, or something like that, maybe a missed PAT attempt. Uh, three and a half, this is a, this, to me, for this type of matchup with how close these two teams are, it does feel like a lot of points.
1: Yeah, it does, especially considering the game could be, you know, the last second field goal for the win. I would not be shocked if that was the case um so it is a lot of points with that said um in factoring in what billy is are going to take who i want to win it's pretty obvious uh, it's been obvious on the show all year uh and it was my original super bowl pick in the preseason so i will go ahead and and stay true and i will take the rams they might not even win they might not even win this game but with the spread being that high the rams could lose and still get the dub in the spread
0: you know, I've been back and forth on this game. The Rams uh, were, you know, my Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the season. I've been very high on this squad. But I can't pick against New Orleans in the Superdome, you know, in in a championship game with Drew Brees and company. You know, this could be it for Drew Brees right here. Uh, this is not a disrespect to the Rams whatsoever. Don't take this that way. But I just can't find myself picking against Drew Brees right here. Tom, I gotta go. I know the point spread's a little high. I know that you know the Rams are really good, but three and a half, uh, I'm gonna put my trust in Drew Brees here.
1: I mean, go ahead. I mean, you're you're talking to the second the second place guy's talking to the last place guy here. Hey, so we I, will see. I'm the two
0: time defending champ. I gotta hand my crown to somebody here.
1: Yeah, you're you're trying to go out gracefully here. You yeah, know, I respect that too, and I respect Drew Brees. Uh, and obviously, I'm biased towards the Rams, um, so I'll stick true to that. But I would not be surprised if New Orleans win this game. Uh, would also not be shocked if the Rams come out and win. And like I said, 25% across the board. I'll stick to that. The line's a little high for me. If I was at, if we were actually betting money. Uh, I would probably still take the Rams because I think the game's going to be that close.
0: All right. Those are our picks for this week. And uh, we'll we'll see what we uh, come up with when it all comes to a Super Bowl Sunday. Tom, uh, should we pick the Pro Bowl too?
1: Uh, Oh, I guess it's not the draft anymore, is it?
0: No, it's AFC, NFC.
1: I'll take
0: NFC. Okay. Well, uh, maybe we'll do that next week. Uh, Throw that in there. Who knows? Uh, that that actually that would be a pretty terrible way to lose the championship. Like, yeah, I I'm yeah. To... Oh,
1: yeah. No, we won't. We can pick that for you know for fun. We're not a factor in that end.
0: <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my gosh, that'd be terrible. Oh,
1: that'd be terrible. That'd be terrible.
0: All right, Tom. Before we get out of here today, our final segment that we end each and every show with. Time for our Tom Fulory story of the week this week.
1: Tom, what do we got this week? So we're coming out of Phoenix, Arizona and it travels all the way to Vermont here. Uh, Jones reading over this. I'm actually planning a bachelor party right now so this is partially why I went ahead and took this story. Uh, like I said, we're coming out of Phoenix and let me show you the headline here. It's uh, Phoenix Man to attend Strangers Bachelor Party in Vermont after an accidental invitation. Uh, and starts out like this. Thanks to an email typo, a Phoenix man is about to head out for the party of his lifetime. He's going to a bachelor party for a man he's never met on the other side of the country using money he raised on GoFundMe. The GoFundMe campaign was titled, Help Me Go to the Bachelor's Party of a Stranger. On Monday, Will Novak got a group email with the subject line, Urgent Info, Angelo's bachelor, Angelo's Bachelor Party. I thought to myself, well, I don't know anyone named Angelo, he said. It sort of felt like one of those weird, scam Nigerian prince emails, and I didn't know what to think of it. He almost deleted it, but his curiosity led him to open it and to start planning a trip. There's a bunch of guys talking about going to a ski resort vacation for a bachelor party Martin Luther King Day weekend. Turns out Angelo and all of his buddies live in Vermont. One of Angelo's friends is also William Novak, though he goes by Bill. His email address, get this, is only one letter off from Will Novak's in Arizona, hence the mistaken invitation. Here's a snippet of the invite attire. Bring your 80s attire, ridiculous, awesome get-ups. For skiing, ask yourself, what would Angela wear, and wear that. Though it was clearly a mistake, Will Novak responded with an over-the-top reply, All. I do not know who Angelo is. I'm Will Novak, who lives in Arizona. Vermont seems like a very far way for me to travel for the bachelor party of a guy I've never met. That being said, fucking count me in. From the contents of this email, Angelo sounds tremendous, and I want to help send him off in style. I hope his bride or groom-to-be is awesome. I should note that being a desert dweller, I've only been skiing once, and and I was real bad at it. I hope you all are patient with me on the slopes. In exchange for said patience, I can bring my sweet Nintendo Switch so we can play games in the cabin, whatever, in the evenings. If Angelo isn't into video games, I'm happy to bring puzzles or just Indian leg wrestle or whatever he likes. I Indian do find myself Yeah. I do find myself tripped up on what to wear, clearly. The direction I'm asking what would Angelo wear is a good one. However again, I don't know him. I once got a wrestling singlet worn by Hacksaw Jim Dugan after a WWF event I attended in eighty nine. I can wear that, but it may not be cold weather conducive. Yours in partying, Will Novak, the one in Phoenix. The guys in Vermont took Angela off off the group, may email and sent a reply a few days later, parts of which are below. To William Novak, the one in Phoenix. We all agree we are very excited to meet you and you sound tremendous as well. We agree that your timely response may have been one, if not the best responses to an email that has ever been sent. And we insist on you coming. This would surely make Angelo's day. We can pick you up from the airport. We will provide an outfit that fits. I would agree the wrestling outfit will do just fine. Sure, we can savage some money to help your cause and eliminate some costs for sure. Don't worry about the video games, but the puzzles, Angelo loves those. And yes, we would prefer Indian leg wrestling. We are willing to eliminate the $150 cost. If you don't ski well, you're going to learn, and if not, plenty of bars and restaurants to where you can hang out and put out the vibe. William Novak, the one in Phoenix. We are looking forward to meeting you and helping us send Angela off. If you think we are kidding, we are not. You better be coming as we are all dying to meet you. Not only will this be a weekend Angela will not forget, it will be one you surely will not forget as well. Um, So the real Bill Novak, or the William Novak, that the email was intended for, said he's probably going to be on the floor like dying laughing uh yeah he's gonna love it this will probably be the best present for him ever meaning angelo so the guys offered to pitch in uh will in arizona stub get plane tickets from phoenix to boston rent a car to drive to vermont and then pay for ski lift tickets and all the other stuff calculated the cost about 750 which he didn't feel good about dropping. And they said he's a new dad, and his wife just finished paying for a home remodel. So this guy went GoFundMe, and his freaking trip was funded in two hours. He wanted 750 Jones. He got $1,900. Man. Uh, Nova- yeah, Novak says the extra money will either go to Angelo's Charity of Choice or Angelo's Honeymoon Fund. Uh, the Novak in Phoenix said, My wife couldn't be happier to get rid of me for a weekend and she doesn't have to pay for it. What a dream. It's every wife's dream. So next Friday, it's happening, Jones. Angelo, his father, Angelo, Will Novak, Bill Novak, and about a dozen other friends will have a bachelor party they'll never forget. Well, I guess we'll have to duel to see who's the better Will, I guess, Bill in Vermont said um jones there's a lot more to this story too uh will and phoenix wrote at one point i should warn you if you are all murderers and plan to harvest my kidneys you will fail i won two gold medals in karate in second grade and well trained in the deadly martial arts uh he attached a 25 year old photo of him in the karate karate uniform to that email if you're so inclined to find it you can probably search it uh, the photo of him in the karate uniform 25 years ago is now going on the back of the official Bachelor Party t-shirt. Oh, that's awesome. This is a hell of a story. I love this. I want to go now. I mean, it is Tom Fuller, but it's also uh, an awesome story of how awesome the internet is. Uh, I love it. I, there, There's going to be a follow-up to this story, and I bet it's going to be awesome.
0: That's amazing. I love it. That is outstanding that uh, they were able to put that together, and that he's going to get to go. That that almost reminds me of when we first met Nolan. And, I'm uh, telling you, his we experience. picked him
1: up from the airport. Never met him.
0: Yeah, that is uh, awesome, and all by just an email mistake, and. The, the, I'll say the the, the uh, leg wrestling is, is a little odd, um, and they don't want to play the video games with the puzzles and all that. Like, I, I think this guy is down for the weekend of his life. Um, I mean, there is a possibility they could be killers, but he does sound like that he's pretty, uh, he, he knows what's up and what's going on. You know how to handle that situation. But this is a win win. This is pretty cool, and the power of GoFundMe too, Tom. Uh, GoFundMe is one of the best things that's happened within this decade of what you know, the internet has been able to put together because like still cool stuff like this never happened before GoFundMe. Like that is another awesome GoFundMe story to come within uh, the
1: last few years. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And GoFundMe does a lot of good for a lot of good people too. And it does a lot of crazy things for people like Will Novak from Phoenix. I actually just followed him on Twitter his name is Will Novak 13. He's tweeting about it up up to three hours ago. Um, I'm gonna tweet at him and I'm gonna see if we can't get a follow up when he gets back from this trip. Yeah, and, and tell him that he looks he, he looks like an all around good guy, suit and tie. Tell him that he uh, was our
0: Tom Fuller story.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, you should when you when we tweet this out, you should put him in there too, Will Novak 13. And then we'll go from there and see if we can't get him on the show for a follow-up of how it all went. That would be awesome.
0: That would be. That would be. Big congrats to him, and hopefully he has a good time and that everything works out. But that's that's a cool story, and they sound like they're they're in for a treat of what uh, they're about to experience. Can you imagine, too, for this guy, Tom, that, you know, to go from Phoenix to Vermont— that's almost like going to a foreign country at that point, the differences in location. That, to me,
1: is bizarre in itself. Yeah, no joke in Vermont. That's, I've, I've always wanted to go up that north, but, uh, you know, if GoFundMe funded my trip to a random stranger's bachelor party, I would for sure go.
0: Oh, you have to—you would have to. I think it would be great. I, I think that... I, I would say this, Tom... That, that movie, The Wedding Crashers, uh, probably made people feel a li- little more confident to do stuff like this than before.
1: Oh, of course. And, and just with the internet and you being able to see different people, it's not like they wrote a letter that accidentally got sent to him. I mean, they can correspond back and forth almost immediately through email, messenger, text, phone call. Uh, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing that would have never happened 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. That's too cool. Great story. Thanks for sharing that, Tom. And uh, thank you, the listener, for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Big thanks to Seth Kaiser for joining us. Make sure to check out all his great work with The Athletic. And uh, we will see you all right back here next week. And uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, also... You can uh, connect with us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and at TJ Media Group. You can find us there. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you again right back here next week.
1: The Jones Report. F*** yeah.